Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. It's a great football team with a lot of moral fiber and a lot of character, and they show it. Shout, a Buffalo football podcast hosted. By Matt Perino and Ryan Talbot. No place else you'd rather be than right here, right now. When it's too tough for them, it's just right. Presented by Syracuse.com and NYUP.com. The Bills make me wanna. What is up, everybody? Happy Wednesday night. Uh, the staple show is live of Shout a Buffalo Bills football podcast, and I apologize to our YouTube family. I did not have the event set up, so you were flying blind. You're probably getting this notification on your on your phone right now. I'm like, what's going on here? I, I, I wasn't ready for a Shout podcast night. There was no event created, but um, no, this was always the plan. I was waiting to see... Uh, throughout the week, if we had a couple big shows throughout the week, that might change again. Uh, but it's kind of been slow mo- moving here. So we got our, our regular Wednesday show, and it's going to be a fun one. I'm Matt Perino, joined as always by Ryan Talbot. Tell them about uh, what we are gonna what we have on tap tonight. Yeah, we have some uh, Bills fans coming into the chat tonight. Kind of a little bit of a radio atmosphere where they're going to come on. They're going to talk to us about free agency, the draft, or just Bill's questions in general. And, and Matt and I will go back and forth uh, discussing their questions and uh, answering them to the best of our abilities. Yes, and I think we're going to start um, you know, with the news of the day. And the Bills finally, after you know weeks of anticipation and all of the edge rusher, defensive tackle, cornerback rankings that you've seen out there on the free agent market, Add uh, a name that I don't think many people had on their radar. Um, F.A. Uh, Adoba, uh, former Carolina Panthers defensive end, signs a one-year deal, rejoins Eric Washington, obviously was very instrumental in his development uh, out in Carolina. They add him to the mix. Uh, it's an interesting one because this is a guy that, you know, as the case has been made all day on social media, He's kind of trending upwards. The, the Bills are getting him at a really fun time in his development. He's able to, you know, rejoin Eric Washington, which I think could be key for his development even more so because, you know, the Panthers, we covered this when we went down to the joint practices. They were going into that kind of uh, remake in, in terms of their defense. They were going from a 4 3 to a 3 4. And I think in that situation, Adoba kind of, I don't think he loved a lot of it uh, from what I've been reading. Uh, he 
he's a guy that I think wants to be on the edge, and I think he'll get he'll get more of a chance to do that in a Bills four three scheme. But he does have that versatility, and I mentioned it earlier today. It does kind of feel like they're replacing Quentin Jefferson uh, with uh, FA, and I, I think it's a really good signing. Again, another one of those under the radar moves that could pay big time as the uh, uh, as the months move along into the twenty twenty season. Yeah, when you looked at the pass rushers that are, were available entering free agency, he, he was pretty low on the list. Uh, I will say that when I was on the Rock Power Report, there was a list and he was mentioned among those pass rushers based on his productivity, based on his snap count opportunities, things like that. And you're right, he is trending up, which sounds funny to say for someone who's going to turn 29 in April. Uh, but here's someone who did not even start playing football until he was 22 years old probably has the most interesting story in the league among any players out there uh, in terms of, of his life in general. So football is still relatively new to him. He did not play it growing up. He didn't go to college for it. This is still a new game to him. And, and you started to see him put the pieces together last year, five and a half sacks, um, double-digit quarterback pressures, double-digit uh, hits. So he, he was he was up there based on the opportunities that he received. A lot of his success last year actually came on the inside, uh, but I, I'm interested to see what he can do in that rotation on the outside, battling Daryl Johnson, what he can do maybe on obvious pass rush uh, situations if they want to bump him on the inside. It, it's an intriguing signing. Uh, you know, No one's going to sit here and say that he's going to lead the team in sacks or be a double-digit guy, but uh, among the players that were still available, I definitely think the Bills ended up getting someone who has a lot of potential upside. Mm -hmm. And I like it from the perspective that it's an affordable deal. It's These are the kinds of deals the Bills are looking for. And it's one of the big reasons why we've been sitting here twiddling our thumbs, waiting for like, you know, that big move that just hasn't come. And that's just because this is the plan. The roster has been built. The, the guys that were set to hit free agency – Brandon Bean was was able to work things out to bring them back. So this roster on both sides of the ball, for all intents and purposes, it's it's intact. They were willing to make a swing, take a swing on a guy like JJ Watt, but I'm not sure that that upside is available there out on the market. I know a lot of people are excited about you know uh, Carlos Dunlap's a name that gets thrown around around a ton, and, and you'll bring you'll raise a question that we're going to get into this a little bit more. But and I guess this kind of pairs with something I want to talk about further and I was listening to move the sticks today uh, as I was driving around running some errands and Bucky Brooks and Daniel Jeremiah they, they were having a conversation about the draft and, and what works and what doesn't and it was a really cool idea that I think fans sometimes forget about when we're when we enter into this whole process of you know whether it be free agency or the draft like what player do I like the most? What does this player do well? And how would I? How much would I love to see that in, this, in, in my team's defense? Here's the problem, though. You have to have a plan for whatever you do in either of these two phases, whether it be free agency or the draft. And I think Daniel Jeremiah and Bucky Brooks, they laid this out really good. I definitely recommend going out and uh, going over and listening to their show, Move the Sticks. But I, we go back to a, a a a plan that was set in right here in Buffalo with Josh Allen. I mean, I think that that's like the the perfect example of of doing it the right way. But everything, if you're going to draft a running back, right? Everybody's talking about you know thirty and you know Javante Williams and Travis Etienne and what's the plan? What's the immediate plan once you draft that player? 
free agency, you sign Carlos Dunlap. He's kind of traditionally a higher snap count percentage type of player. Where does he fit in? Whose reps is he taking? You know, how does he work in this scheme specifically? Those are all questions that Brandon Bean and his staff are constantly asking themselves. And while, and I think at the same time, sometimes on the outside, we don't spend enough time dissecting what the answers might be to those questions. I think that's well said. And I mean, just look at F.A. here. He, he's played with Eric Washington. He's familiar with the coaching staff. He's familiar with some of those teammates that he has on the defensive line, in the linebacker room. Uh, you name it. There's, because there's a lot of former Panthers here. Let, you know, let's not kid ourselves. Even Andre Smith was, was one of the first to come out today. Uh, more of a special teams player, but also in the linebacker room, about how excited he was to have him. And, and uh, you know that he's going to be a fit. You know he's not going to be someone that, creates a stir in terms of not being happy about their snap count. And I'm not saying that Carlos Dunlap, because you mentioned him by name, would be a player like that. But you're right. When, when you talk about some of these players that are still out here that are used to playing a lot more snaps, that can lead to some issues in the locker room. There are two or three people here in the chat asking about Jadavian Clowney. And I know that you, you brought him up quite a bit in, in previous shows. I think right now, unless he really is looking for the bare minimum, I think that ship has probably sailed. Uh, the Bills did free up some money today restructuring Trey White, but you're probably talking draft money there. You're probably talking uh, maybe a player comes available that we didn't anticipate, and, and then we can have a little extra reserve there in that event. Uh, if there's a need after the draft and there's a player out there, we, you can attack it that way. So I don't see them going above that $1.5 million, $2.5 million range unless it's a key need. Maybe they miss out on cornerback, for instance, in the draft. And then you can go out there and you have a little extra reserve and you can bring in another veteran. That's kind of been what they've done uh, throughout the years here. They, it's kind of been a patchwork cornerback number two veteran competing against Levi Wallace, competing against someone else. Uh, and I thought maybe this would be the year that that trend ends with them drafting someone high. But time will tell. You never know how a draft board is going to fall. So you're right. It's interesting because you have to look at it from the free agency picture. You have to say, okay, what positions are weak in the draft? Because we should probably address those in free agency first and foremost. It, it all works together. And, you know, that's why Brendan Bean and this front office, uh, it's why they're in the position that they are. It's why that the Bills have had so much success since they've come aboard and why a lot of other teams have been, you know, look at this model and say, boy, the Bills have had a lot of successes because they know what they're doing in terms of fitting the pieces into the puzzle. Mm-hmm. If you have any questions, uh, feel free to bring them up in the chat. In, in, in the chat here, uh, we're going to talk plenty uh, about where where the the plan goes from here in terms of free agency. We're going to bring in some folks that are going to have some questions. If you're watching on YouTube and you're like, "Hey, I want to get uh, in, in the action here. I want to ask a question or something. I'm going to change um, my my name on here, and I'm going to put my email address. And anybody that wants to." can email me and I will email you a link and you can come on the show as well and ask a question if that's how you uh, want to get down on this Wednesday night. But to your point, Ryan, Jadavian Clowney, uh, he's obviously in Cleveland, visit there. I, 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 we did talk a lot about him over the last couple of weeks as a potential fit, but the fact that there hasn't been any juice there, you know, no rumblings of, a, of any rumors. And I, I think it's going to be another slow play. And again, that's where I said, before I'm out in that scenario. If Jadavian Clowney is not willing 
to take a low end deal right now, get in the building, get on, get up to speed. If he wants to kind of sit out a lot of the, the off season stuff, like I'm not into that. Like you've, from my perspective and respect to the guy, a former, you know, high pick, good player, but you've kind of lost the ability to call the shots at this point. Hmm. You're, you're now on the team's time. You're now on the team's plan. And if you think you're just going to show up in late August, that hasn't been working, Jadavian. That has not been working. So you need to get in wherever you're going to go, whether it be Cleveland to pair up with Miles Garrett. Um, I think they already put uh, got Tech uh, McKinley. Uh, they're building quite a little defensive line there if, if he ends up going there. Um, but I think that the point is you have to have a plan. And I think what this tells me is it's twofold. Number one, there's probably maybe not the belief in the skill set in the ability to stay healthy, any combination of those kind of things. And then you start to look towards the draft. And that's where I've really started to hang my hat in this early process of, of trying to figure out who are the names in the draft that we're really going to have to pay attention to and figure out. And obviously Quiddy pay from Michigan is one of the top guys, uh, Jalen Phillips from Miami. Um, and then, there's like a group of five, Ryan, that I, I, I think I've landed on. Gregory Rousseau from Miami. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think you could probably throw Carlos Basham from Wake Forest into the mix and then Jason Awa from Penn State. There's a couple other different guys in there depending on who you talk to. But one of the big takeaways that I had is there's no, there's no big one guy this year. There's a collection of guys, and you have to have a plan, but you also have to hit because if you take one of these guys and they don't end up developing, then you just blew your first-round pick. Yeah, and the Bills do need to really get serious about that edge rusher because Jerry Hughes, Mario Addison, they're both getting up there in age. Um, you only have FA here for one year. Uh, Daryl Johnson, you still don't necessarily know if he's just more of a special teams guy. AJ Epineza is entering year two. You have high hopes for him, uh, but high hopes don't always pan out. So you need to start seeing some results here from the young guys. And that includes if they draft some, someone, uh, you, you know, I could see Rousseau being that realistic guy that could fall to number 30. And, and if that was the case, I think Bill's fans would be real, should get really excited for that, uh, but you never know because in every year's draft, there's a few players that throw a wrench in the plans. There's a few teams that make that surprise pick that uh, leave you scratching your heads, just like a, a few years ago with the Raiders that allowed Ed Oliver to fall to Buffalo. Uh, there's always something. So the draft is unpredictable. That's one of my favorite parts about it. Uh, but the Bills, you know, Bills fans just can't go in thinking it's going to be an edge rusher. It's going to be a cornerback. They have to be open minded to. Brandon Bean taking the best player available. Maybe that's a guard. Maybe it's someone uh, that can come in and compete immediately on the inside of the offensive line because, you know, they've said that they want to be able to run the ball a little bit better. And for the most part, it's status quo on that offensive line. So they can go at a lot of different avenues and and paths. It's going to be interesting to see how it all plays out. All right. Well, we're going to get to – questions portion of the show anything that you guys want to talk about i got my email address right here if you're watching on youtube hit me up i just got an email so we'll get him in uh later in the show we'll probably go until about 9 30 or so but we're going to start off with caleb we've had him on before what's up buddy how are you how you doing i'm good thanks for uh, having me again guys oh no problem, yeah, no problem. thanks for coming on so 
I'm sure uh, you guys have seen it all over Twitter. Bills fans talking about Josh Allen's extension. Uh, likely the next big money thing that Brandon Bean does because we're pretty cap strapped for the next couple of years now that the whole team's locked down. Um, we've seen guys, Isaiah McKenzie, most notably recently, John Feliciano say that, you know, they can get an extra dollar maybe somewhere else, but they wanted to be in Buffalo. So they take a discount. I know a lot of Bills fans are like, oh, Josh Allen should take a discount because we developed them or whatever. I personally think he should get every dollar that he deserves. But what are the chances that you guys think that either he ends up taking a small discount or I I think even Bean gets him on a very team-friendly deal? Because although Patrick Mahomes did sign that you know record-breaking contract, it does look like a team-friendly deal as the cap's going to rise years down the road. So just want to get your thoughts on that. Well, you know, first and foremost, a team-friendly deal could still be over $40 million a year, and I don't think that Josh would be hurting too much if that's what he's signing for on average. Uh, I could see Josh Allen sitting there saying, you know, I want to make sure that they can build a team around me. Uh, he's someone that grew up idolizing Tom Brady. And what did Tom Brady always do? Now, he, Tom Brady earned every penny of his contract. He just moved money around on a year-by-year basis. Let's get that out in the open. But Tom Brady was always willing to play ball if it meant getting some help on on the team. So maybe Josh Allen signs a, a mega deal, but then year by year, he moves some of that money around so the Bills can free something up to get him another wide receiver, a running back, a tight end. Josh Allen is going to do what's best for the team long-term, in my opinion, but he's also going to get paid an extremely high amount of money. And like I said, I don't see it being less than $40 million a year, but to your point, Three years from now, four years from now, once you know, once that new con- NFL contract money has kicked in and it's been there for a few years, that could end up looking like a steal. So even if you're talking 41, 42 million, when the NFL seller cap's expected to jump up to 210 maybe next year, 215, you're already talking about, you know, what could it be three, four years down the road from now? And then you don't have to worry about how much you're paying Josh Allen. And also remember this when you're starting to project to future seasons, like there's tons of outs that Brandon Bean has kind of put in to how he structured this roster. There's tons of players that even on next year's salary cap, he can walk away from and add, you know, in some cases upwards of eight, nine million dollars back to the cap. So I think that they're in a really good position financially, I mean, there's players that you're probably not going to want to lose. I mean, a couple of those players are like, you know, Daryl Williams, Jordan Poyer, Micah Hyde, all those kind of players. You're not going to want to move on from them, most likely. Uh, actually, I'm not sure if Micah Hyde uh, next year might be a little bit too high of a dad cap. Um, but I think that's a big piece of it. And you got to remember, next year, Josh, no matter what, if they do this extension, he's going to cost $23 million, Unless they get some type of deal done and rework, the fifth-year option is going to cost about $23 million against the cab next year. So that's still a pretty good bargain if you think about it. And then you move on to, you know, the future and you're just got to build around it. I tweeted about this the other day, Ryan, like the second wave of success in the NFL is the hardest wave because you already built from the ground up. Like you kind of get a blank canvas, like Brandon Bean got to rip this thing down to the studs and build it the way that he wanted to build it. Once you get to this point, this this becomes like the really difficult part. Like we're seeing it with the Rams. Like they didn't even win a Super Bowl, but they, you know, they 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 thought they found their quarterback. They paid him the big money. They built around him. They mortgaged their future by going out and trading tons of draft picks to mm. try to bring in star players. They kept swinging. They kept swinging, and they and they've missed. They've missed. 
I wouldn't put them in the conversation in the top five teams that are Super Bowl contender next season. I, I'm I'm bullish on what Matthew Stafford can mean in that offense, but I'm nowhere near being confident enough in everything gelling and 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 fixing itself with you know what I would imagine serious effects to the overall health of their roster with all the draft capital that they lost. So I think Brandon Bean's doing it the right way. I think he's situated it the right way. And so I, I, I'm not too concerned about it. Absolutely. And then one more question. Um, obviously Brian Dable probably going to get a head coaching job, you know, in the next two years, I would say if, if it doesn't happen next year, probably the one after that, Leslie Frazier, you never know. Maybe his time has run out as a head coach. But outside of the main three coordinators, special teams, offense, defense, who do you think is the most irreplaceable coach on the Bills' like coaching staff? I personally think that Chad Hall is a guy who you know probably is going to go on and be an offensive coordinator and maybe do even more than that. And I think he's not maybe the most irreplaceable, but most valuable at this moment. I also like obviously Ken Dorsey probably had a massive role in Josh Allen's development, but in terms of those coaches that you don't hear about a lot, who is the most like irreplaceable guy? That That's actually a really tough question. That's a great question because, you know, you nailed it first and foremost, with Chad Hall, one, the players love him uh, from Stefan Diggs down. They respect him. He is obviously a former wide receiver uh, didn't necessarily make it in the NFL at a big level, but he, he has the experience playing the position, so players respect that. Uh, so you could definitely go that route. Ken Dorsey g- gets a lot of pub. Uh, he was you know, linked to a lot of these jobs, offensive coordinator jobs, just this past offseason. How much success, uh, how much of Josh Allen's success is because of him? We, we might never know because Josh Allen works with so many different people. Uh, so I don't want to understate how important I think Ken Dorsey is, but I also don't know how important he is to Josh Allen either. It's tough because Allen works in the offseason. There's obviously Brian Dable that plays a big role in that, and the list goes on and on. But even on Bobby Johnson, offensive line is a good candidate for your for the answer to your question. Uh, Babich at linebacker has coached some of the greats, and, and he's another one that I think is valuable because they are depending big time on on Tremaine Edmonds to develop and to continue on the upward trajectory. So it, it really depends on what you're looking for. I'll, I'll go with the uh, outside the box, and I'll go with Babich just because I think that the Bills are, are getting to that point where they have to decide make a really big decision on Tremaine Edmonds in terms of his contract. Is he worth this? Is he going to be the player we envision? He's had some some great moments, but he's also had had some ebbs and flows where his play has been inconsistent. So uh, I, I think he's very important to the Buffalo's coaching staff in terms of having to help Trey Edmonds get to that next step. The most overlooked addition this offseason has been not losing Brian Dable. I said that kind of funny, but I really believe that that's super important because you look at what would have had to happen moving into next next season, just the transition, the the getting to know you process, not only like off the field, but then once the game start, like I feel like go back through Brian Dable's journey here, like over three years, it was a little bit rocky in year one. Like, you know, remember the, the decision about whether or not uh, I, I might have been in year two in 2019 when he decided to ultimately go up into the booth. But there was a lot of 
questions about that early on and about, all right, you know, he hadn't had a lot of sex success in other places and what this has kind of blossomed into. And then hearing all the players talk about their interactions with him, what they, what he means to them. I think Isaiah McKenzie, for lack of a better term, kind of, kind of insinuated that Dable was a big reason why he came back. I didn't want to put, I don't want to put words in his mouth and he didn't say that so much, but I think that he, he knows what to expect with Brian Dable. That's a big thing. I think in this league, when you know what to expect, you know, your role is defined and you show up and you can just do your job knowing, you know, that, that communication is high level. And I think that's huge with, with Brian Dable. I would say him, um, I'm with you too on Chad Hall because of how much these dudes love him. I mean, Ryan, you put up that story around Christmas time when they all surprised him with the truck. I mean, that, that there was some genuine love there being shared. And so I think that he would definitely be somebody that it would hurt if they lost him. I hope that answered everything. Absolutely. I appreciate you guys having me. I'll let you get to, I'm sure, you know, there's probably a million questions out there, a million other guys looking to ask, to ask questions. But I appreciate you having me on again and have Anytime, a man. lovely rest of the show. All right, buddy. Thanks hey, for coming on. Thanks. Of course. All right, so let's go to Greg next. Greg, hey guys, thanks for having me on. Sorry about the ominous lighting behind me, but I like it. It adds it adds <laughs> to the whole uh, allure. What's going on, buddy? Yeah. So, I guess to start off, so we've passed that first wave of free agency. We're kind of in the middle, coming up on the end of the second wave. Looking at the Bills' free agents, like Bucker might come back depending on the tender situation. Um, with their other free agents, Dean Marlowe might be the only one, I think, who has a case to come back. Everything, everybody else, I mean, Barkley, Bajorquez, Yeldon, et cetera, I think it's written on the wall, at least, in theory. So with the way the cap situation is right now, um, unless it's Vets taking an Isaiah McKenzie deal in terms of numbers, I don't think you're going to see that. Richard Sherman kind of numbers, I think, or somebody like that, for example, a veteran presence, a guy like that. Um, so we're five weeks now uh, from tomorrow. Five weeks from tomorrow is round one of the draft out in Cleveland. And I was just wondering what you guys thought if you were in the war room on Thursday and Friday and we're going to play the dangerous game of assumption. We know how much Brandon Bean loves his trades come draft time but if we went 30 61 93 as it stands right now i guess without even having to go into players i guess who would be or what would be the three positions you would be looking to emphasize if you did three different ones for those spots because you guys talked about the pass rusher and i know matt you just talked about rousseau out of miami and the only thing about him that scares me is that i know that he's got his he's 67 265 and he's got his position figured out, but he kind of reminds me of a certain former uh, first round pick who rhymes with Laren Laban <laughs> just because of the history, because Rousseau played sparingly his first year, had an ankle injury, 2019, he comes back, tears up the ACC, 15 and a half sacks, and just is a freak on the defensive line getting pressure. And then he opts out this past year. So he really only has one full year of college experience at that level kind of under his belt. And that previous aforementioned linebacker, defensive end, whatever you want to call him out of Penn State, was in some ways kind of the same way. It was that last year that really propelled him into being a first-round pick. So I know there's that. 
I know some guys might be looking at like a speedy wide receiver as like a maybe a route, like a not a route runner, um, like a burn off the line of scrimmage kind of guy, not like a Marquise Goodwin, but maybe somebody more akin to that kind of speed. Um, I know a lot of people are looking at that 30 spot and looking at running back. I know fan of the show Marcel Louis-Jacques has a quite the affinity for a certain Clemson running back. I think um, just – first of all, he's a phenomenal follow on Twitter, but I think it's – you'd have to be more than blind to see his uh, passion for one, Travis Etienne, um, which is a great pick, but at the same time there's the whole running back room um, – I guess how it would work because we've seen, especially under Sean McDermott, they really only dress three running backs on game day. And so, and the third running back plays special teams. So that's why you bring Taiwan Jones back. So how do you handle Singletary Moss ETN just because, you know, you could try trading maybe one of them, but are you going to get that value that you drafted those guys at? Or are you okay with one of them being a healthy scratch most weeks? I, I don't know. In theory, having a guy like Etienne who um, – I can't hype him up like Marcel can, but this kind of do-it-your-all back, especially as a pass catcher and all that. Um, you know, I know Najee Harris is up there as well. And then finally, the third spot, I guess, also maybe would be um, corner just because we've heard all the talk about a man – a guy who can play man in corner. We've seen Levi, and Levi, I think, can do a lot of great things. I know everybody's aboard the Dane Jackson train – um, even though if we're going to be fair, the sample size is very, very small, right? It's one Jets game where he played lights out and getting a fumble recovery against the Cardinals. I mean, if hype was real after the first four games, Kiko Alonso would have been the next coming of Luke Keekley, not a guy who's played on four teams in the last six years. So I know people mentioned Aaron Robinson out of UCF, which I don't understand that at all because he's a slot corner and just a slot corner period. So that doesn't seem to be necessarily a, a sound fit, uh, especially that high up in the draft. But that all, now that I've gone long and winded, now to circle back, uh, my question, I guess, is if you're in there on Thursday and Friday, what are the three positions you think on the draft that should be emphasized within the war room? All right, man. Greg. Go ahead. Great stuff, man. And we'll we'll try to answer it. Uh, we got to move on to the next person, but we'll answer it first, and then move on to them. Thanks, buddy. Go ahead, Ryan. All right. Uh, well, I think he nailed a lot of the positions that the Bills will be looking at. But it, as cliche as this answer is, I think they're going to be staying true to the draft board. So a cornerback could be in play, edge rusher, uh, running back. I I don't see wide receiver being in play anymore. I know the speed wide receiver is something they could be looking at, but I I think if anything, you're going to grab someone with a lot of speed late in the draft that you feel like you can develop uh, and you can kind of maybe stash them on your practice squad for a year. The the Buffalo nickel is the one position that I'll mention that he did not. I, I think that the Patriots are almost forcing Buffalo's hand a little bit to find that player that can cover the tight ends because you're going to see a lot of John U. Smith. You're going to see a lot of Hunter Henry this year. So you have to be smart about how you're going to cover them. Uh, So that's the other position I'll mention that uh, he did not, I'll say the Buffalo nickel. Yeah. um, It's tough because just going by their, their history here, their short history and in the, in the kind of trends, trying to trend what they've, evaluate how they've approached this thing it's it's hard to do and i and i think one of the first things that jumps out to me is the fact that they've really neglected cornerback 
since they drafted Tredavious White. And I'm wondering how much of that is just knowing that you had that cornerback one on the roster and having confidence in your coaching staff to be able to develop whatever type of players are kind of the rest of the, the group there. So I'd love to say sit here and say cornerback, but I'd also sit back and think, do I actually believe they're finally going to draft the cornerback high uh, in this draft? I, I don't, I can't necessarily say that. Um, I think Buffalo nickel to me is one where if you have somebody that you think can play that hybrid role and maybe it makes sense to trade back because to take it on another part of this too, is like, I know edge rusher is like a really easy one to say too, but like the bills drafted Ed Oliver in the first, with their first pick in 2018, 2019 AJ with their first pick, albeit a second rounder, but their first pick in 2019 or 2020. Now we're sitting here in 2021 is the first pick off the board going to be on the defensive line once again, maybe, and maybe they, maybe they throw out what they've done in the past and it's all about best player available, best fit. Who do we love on our board? I'm a little bit curious whether or not the value will be there at the edge rusher position, considering that probably the first two or three at least names are gone by the time they draft. Yeah, that, well said. Uh, it, it's the, the draft, like I already said, it's unpredictable. I can't just sit here and say that this is the route they're going to go. Cornerback is, I think it's a little bit deeper this year. I think you can get a really good guy at, in uh, number two or like the second round there with your pick. So I don't think you're, you're, you have to reach for a certain position, especially some of the positions that we sit here and say the bills really need or potentially need in 2021. What's up, AJ? How you doing? Pretty good, man. How are you? I gotta get, I gotta get my, uh, my border off your face. Go ahead. What's going on? Uh, nothing much. Just watching the Sabres here, like abruptly, you know, while watching the show. So it's, it's nice. Uh, what's going to put you to sleep faster, the show or watching the Sabres game? Oh, uh, that's tough. Probably, probably the Sabres game because I, I like listening to you guys. So. All right. Thanks, buddy. Uh, so I'm going to ask just a question about Isaiah McKenzie. Obviously, we just resigned him to that really team-friendly contract, and he said he'd side for candy, so that's good. But um, I'm just wondering, uh, are you confident with Isaiah McKenzie in the uh, kick return and punt return game, like not having any competition at all, like you're, you're that confident? Or do you want to see them add a guy in the draft? And kind of uh, bring competition to McKenzie to see if he can win the job outright. Just, just your thoughts on that. Go ahead. Oh, yeah, yeah. I, I would. I wouldn't draft someone specifically to challenge him for kick return, punt return duties. Now, if you you grab one of those hybrid running back wide receivers, I've seen a few names uh, mentioned in in the on the chat here. Uh, I, or if you want to add a wide receiver later in the draft that has kick return or punt return experience. By all means, if, if you want a sure-handed punt returner, you still have Micah Hyde as well. He doesn't have to return the ball. You can just fair catch it all day long. Uh, so I, I'm not opposed to them bringing in competition, but by by no means should they be drafting someone with that in mind. Uh, you know, Isaiah McKenzie, he, the reason that the Broncos are willing to let him go is there are some fumbling issues there. There was never an issue about his athleticism or his speed or ability to kind of break away. It was just ball security, and the Bills do take that very seriously. We've seen players on offense get pulled off the field for half a game if they fumble the ball. Uh, so the Bills will have low tolerance for it if the, it becomes an issue. But at the same time, Isaiah McKenzie – the Isaiah McKenzie that was with the Broncos is not the Isaiah McKenzie that is in Buffalo. Uh, that's not to say he, he won't turn the ball over here and there, but Andre Roberts fumbled the ball a few times last year alone. 
Andre Roberts made some pretty dangerous plays in terms of taking it out deep from the end zone on a regular basis. At the same time, he did a lot of really good things for the Bills, too, in terms of setting them up. So, you know, it's a risk-reward position. Uh, and with someone like Isaiah McKenzie, I think the Bills are willing to kind of hedge their bets that he can handle it. And if fumbling, though, becomes an issue, you know, it'll be next man up, just like any other position on this team. Yeah, uh, I I think that you've set yourself up to at least have an option there. Am I going to sit here in March and tell you that the job is won and they have their punt returner, kick returner? No, especially because that type of thing under this regime is earned. Like, they're not just going to hand it over. He hasn't done it really significantly for any extended amount of time in season. And we've seen in the past, they've given young players the, you know, Corey Bajorquez is a perfect example. He's a guy that they gave the job to. And then, you know, every week they were bringing in punters at one point to, you know, give him a, a chance to win the job. And so I think it's something that right now you have one guy on your roster that at least that can do it, uh, both of them. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if they addressed it on day three of the draft. But I think, like, the tough part is, like, where are these roster spots going to be? Like, who who's going to take these roster spots? Like, is it going to be another year where there's like this extended room on the practice squad and there's these protection rules? I think that a lot of that might get thrown out this year. So if that's the case, then you're talking about, okay, am I going to spend a day three pick? First of all, I think that's a separate conversation that we can have is how many picks can the bills actually make where they're the player that they pick is going to be able to make this roster because this roster right now, is really strong at what 60, 65 players right now. It's super strong. So I feel like it's going to be really difficult at this. And that's another reason why, you know, adding talent, more talent at this point. And I think there's an, there's room for another veteran signing. If there's a swing, you could take an edge rusher, take it. But I just think it's going to be tough to make this roster as it is. And so I think just like spending a day, day three pick on a guy that you hope can compete for the, maybe that is the play. Um, maybe, maybe you just want to see what it looks like and maybe they earn the spot and maybe you cut Isaiah McKenzie at that point. If somebody wows you so much, I mean, there's all these different possibilities. Isaiah McKenzie, interesting note, 350 K K guarantee. They're not married to that contract either. And he's somebody that's been on the roster bubble the last two years. So what a crazy turn of events. I really thought that he was going to command a lot of interest on the open market. I was surprised that he took this deal. To be honest with you, I'm really hazy on how this thing played out because I feel like we were at a place a day and a half ago where Isaiah McKenzie actually responded to a fan on Twitter and said, put anybody in this in my role and see if you get eight touchdowns. Kind of claiming like, listen, I'm ready for a bigger – what I took away from that was I'm ready for a bigger role. Uh, I produced in that role, and, I, and then a day passes, and there's interest in the Chicago Bears apparently. He said that there was interest on, from seven different teams, and then he re-signs with the Bills for peanuts. So I don't know. There's so many things baked into why he's back, but it's it's kind of a gamble too because I it would not shock me if we're sitting here in September – talking about Isaiah McKenzie getting cut as crazy as that is to, to say, I can see it happen because they're going to set this thing up to be a competition at the end of the day. All right. Thank you guys. I appreciate it. All right, brother. Take care. Have a good night. You. Uh, you too. What's up, What's up Adam? How you doing? Good. How you guys doing? 
Good, um, good. Do, do yeah. I gotta say this train never stops? Did oh yeah. Shout out? Hey. All right. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, the question about um the Bills with the tight end room. I know they just signed um Jacob Hollister, but um I don't know. I really liked um, Pat Fryermuth coming out of Penn State. Um, I know he's played like a baby Gronk, but I don't know if you would see them drafting another tight end um, in any other draft picks, or did they get pretty content with what they got? So I'm not super familiar. I haven't watched any like type of highlights or, or really dove too deep uh, at that position yet. Uh, like I mentioned at the top, uh, I really started to look at some of the defensive ends today, uh, the last week or so. But I will say what I've heard about Pat Fryermuth is there's so there's obviously Kyle Pitts who's in this mm-hmm. like other universe of prospect, and then it's like you know Fryermuth is like that next level t- top cream of the crop. But the problem with adding that kind of player is they have two of those guys already, in my opinion, in Dawson Knox and Tommy Sweeney, right? And yeah, if you think you know if he's got, if he's got baby Gronk type potential maybe that is worth uh considering if you think that you can develop that but i think that there were all in we're in a stage now entering year three where right now the only guy that we really had to look at big with a large sample size is dawson knox yeah and right now they haven't really developed him a ton i mean he came in he made some nice plays as a rookie made some nice plays in the second year some of the issues have kind of stayed issues and so we're going into a year three that's huge for him and, and could completely flip the script. But right now, I think you're sitting in here. Are you really ready to roll the dice on another day one or day two pick on the tight end when you really haven't shown the ability to develop one yet? I don't know. That's just a question. I'm not saying that it can't be done. Listen, they've developed players hmm. in every room. It's just a question that I have. Uh, I, I think he could be in play. Actually, I think he's a legitimate uh, NFL prospect. I think he's someone that, you know, maybe you're not going to get a lot out of him as a rookie, but you might not need to with Hollister and Knox on your roster. Uh, and that just comes down to what kind of Matt said to the previous question. Is that someone you want to spend a pick on someone that might not come in and contribute someone where you have limited spots, but you know, Tommy Sweeney, uh, bad luck last year with an injury, obviously before the start of the year, then he, then he gets COVID and, and he's having some heart issues we don't know the long-term effects of that now, and I'm not going to speculate on that either. He, he may be good to go and be a big-time contributor this year, but we just don't know that. So there is a little bit of wiggle room there for another tight end to enter the fray, whether it's free agency or the draft. And if Pat is their top tight end come round two, uh, at the end of round two especially, I think that's a, a pretty solid value for him. I, I've seen him being mocked around that range a little bit earlier, some cases a little bit later too. Uh, so, you know, I'm not going to take any position off the board besides obviously like a quarterback or anything like that, that early in the draft. So I, I think they're going to be open to the idea, but to Matt's point too, what are you going to get out of him as a rookie? Because tight ends typically among these skill positions take longer than running backs and wide receivers to develop. Yeah. It's no Sweeney. He, um, he's with the COVID, he had that heart condition. So I wonder yeah. how his health status is for this coming off season. So that's a big question too. Um, I, last I heard, he was trending in a good direction. Okay. And I think it was Brandon or Sean. I think it was Brandon who said he's looking forward to getting back in the mix. So that's great. I, I, we'll probably get a more uh, defined update on him closer to like if there's a mini camp or something like that. But I would imagine he's probably ends up being back in the mix. And I, and I like that. I yeah, love I love that guy as a, as yeah. a rookie. I thought he was a really talented player. I'd like to see what he could do in year three. Yeah, he showed that flash in that week 17 against the Jets in 2019. Yeah, so that, that definitely promising to see. So looking forward to seeing that. Yeah, for sure. Thanks a lot for coming in, Adam. Appreciate yeah, it, man. Thanks, Adam.
All right. Let's get to our next guy here. Steve, what's up, my friend? Hey, how are you guys doing tonight? We're good, good, man. We're good. How are you? I'm good. Good. Just got back from the gym, so I'm a little sweaty. Nice. Getting after all, it. I had to run all the way here. I'm like, shit, it's nine after. I'm not going to make it. <laughs> <laughs> nice. What do you what got do you for us? Think? Um, we pretty much have the same team going into 2021. A little, you know, obviously a little tweaks here and there. But I, I believe that we're a much better team going into this season than we were last. I love that. I love that point because it, it, I think sometimes you can improve by staying where you are. Like, especially at this stage of the build. Like, you look at some of the pieces – the Kansas city has already lost and some of the pieces that they potentially still could lose. I mean, Bashad Breeland was a huge factor in that AFC championship game. The the work that he did against Stefan Diggs, he's still on the open market and they're probably gonna have to pay something, you know, considerable to bring him back. So I think to your point, you gotta, you gotta keep what you've built together, which Brandon Bean has done. He's added, I think he's upgraded at receiver bringing in Sanders, uh, over over John Brown. Yeah, for sure. I know too. some people kind of differ on that, depending on where you're at. Um, and I think that there's potential to Im- improve in other places with now more, not even continuity, but just time around each other. Like I think the defensive line could look a lot different this year when you add in a star back to the mix and you you have a Vernon Butler, Mario Addison in year two, AJ Epinesa, yeah. uh, a full off season to kind of develop. So yeah, Plus I think to your point. Up today too. Yeah. Yeah. Effie, you know, he's going to fit in nice. I think. Very yeah, nice. I, I agree completely. And, and even the backup positions, quarterback with Mitchell Trubisky. If something happens for a small span of time that you need him in the lineup, I think the Bills can stay afloat in that scenario. Uh, offensive line, they're finally going to see what they in probably envisioned last year with the return of Cody Ford. I think that. Even though he he was injured uh, for a good portion of this year, I think that they know now that his best fit is at left guard. So you at least figured that out last year. You can play him there. You you know that starting five in your head going into the season, and that's also big because I think last year the Bills were moving some pieces around. They didn't know what they had in Daryl Williams. They didn't know what they had in Cody Ford. Uh, so this year, too, even the offensive line being settled is big for this team. Well, and he has something to prove, too, this year. You know what I mean? Like – if he wants to hold that job, he's got to play well. But the other thing, too, like, there was no training camp last year. There was none of that, right? So to throw some of these players in who've never played together before and then to just, okay, go play game one, off you go. But now they've had a whole season to play together. Now they're going to have a proper off season. Like, it just, to me, it's, I think they're going to they're gonna go all the way this year. I really do. Well, I, th- I think there's probably a lot of Bills fans in the chat right now, very <laughs> excited about your prediction because I think a lot of people are hoping that that's the case. And but I think you bring up a great point, and we got some other callers to get to, Steve. But you were great, man. Thanks for uh, stopping in. Uh, I-, I think that that's a great point, Ryan, and I think it's one that I think gets overlooked. And one of the big questions that I keep seeing thrown at us is like, what have they done to improve the defensive line? And I- and I- and I'm trying to say it as gently as I can whispering this thing could get better just based on a few factors that have nothing to do with adding players. It's about getting more out of the players that you maybe already have on your roster. I know that it's not like the, it's, it's not something that I think fans 
Fans want to fix a problem. They see a problem, they want it fixed. How are you fixing it? How are you getting better? I mean, you could kind of liken that to a lot of things in, in life and different things that you try to do and trying to improve things. If something's not working, you change it. But something sometimes you don't need to a, a full change. Sometimes you just need to tweak a few things, have a few things kind of different, maybe mess with the variables a little bit. And star is a pretty big variable that I think that we'll come to learn. Yeah. Star Lotulele helps that Oliver. He helps the edge rushers. Uh, they obviously thought that Mario Addison had enough where you, you get him to agree to a pay cut, but it's not a significant one. So they still obviously like him. Vernon Butler probably played his best ball over the last month of the season. So that's probably why he was kept over a Quentin Jefferson. Now you give him a full offseason. You give him another year to work together. You already have A.J. Epineza at the playing weight that you want him at because that was something, too, last year. He was a rookie. You tell him you want him to lose about 20 pounds. He has to get used to that new body. Now he's going to be ready coming into year two. So uh, the defensive line, I actually do have some high expectations for just based on the, the roster they currently have. And obviously, if they add a pass rusher early or another defensive lineman, those expectations could get even higher. Let's go to the hub, the buff hub, Steve Vega. What's, What's up, going buddy? on? I miss you guys. How much, man? I know. <laughs> I feel like I haven't seen you in forever. How's how's life out in the desert? Uh, you know, it's hot, cold, hot, cold, you know, and uh, we actually just went up to Lee Canyon. We actually went sledding in the middle of March in Nevada, believe it or not. That's hmm. the play, man. Oh, I believe you. That's what we used to that, that's how we got our 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 fit our little fix of Buffalo back in the back in the day. We'd just go up to we'd go up to um Mount Charleston and get the snow That's out right. there, but That's yeah, right. it's great. That's where we were. We were right on the other side oh, beautiful. of that. We were having a blast out there. Um, so, you know, I'm, ta- I'm here over in Vegas and I couldn't help but ask you a quick question, uh, Matt. I'm going to ask you a second question, but first one is, you know, something's brewing in April and it's a rematch, but it's, it's going to be a real match is what I'm calling it. Masvidal versus Usman. And I need to know. I need to <laughs> My know man, getting us be. into the UFC talk. Hey. All right. Listen, it, you get into it when you're out here. And I had to ask you, finally, I got a, I got a chance to talk to you again. Um, obviously, feel free to ch- uh, chime in, Ryan. I know you've been hanging out with Matt a while. So, um, you know, what, what you got going on with this uh, this matchup? Um, I think it's going to look a lot like the first one. I hope I hope uh, John Feliciano's not watching because I know he's a big Jorge Masvidal fan. But Kamaru Usman is the... Okay, okay. Yeah. And and let's hang on. Let's hang on. There you go. Uh, no, no. Uh, listen, I think that the, he'll probably wrestle a little bit more. I think that um, I, I, I like Masvidal, but five rounds with Usman—it's just a different, it's a different ball game. Like, and even if he has some early success, which he could have, I think he'll probably end up wearing out by the, by the end of it. Maybe, maybe if it's a close decision, I don't think he can finish Usman. Like that's that's the that's the the long and short of it. You could dress it up any way you want. It might be a boring title fight if the, if if that's not your flavor of excitement. I, I love a good old fashioned just dominant grappling performance. I'm I'm a big wrestling fan. Like I don't watch a lot of like wrestling wrestling, but like in MMA, I I've always respected the guys that can just grab you, take you down, and then beat the crap out of you. And Usman's done that <laughs> quite a few times. But he's he's a good friend of mine, so I, there's obvious bias there. Oh, by the way, has, uh, has GSP hit you up by, uh, by any chance of coming back, or what's going on with him? Nah, come on, now. Oh, George's George's on, <laughs> George's George's doing the um he's doing the uh, Winter Soldier. 
He's doing uh, Falcon and the Winter Soldier on Disney Plus. He's not good. He doesn't want to fight anymore. He's an actor now. Okay. I mean, hey, if, if for the right price for Khabib, I think he comes back. But anyways, that's another question. I was well, going to say, Buff Hub, Bill's Shout Podcast. <laughs> Hit us with something here, man. All right, here we go, here we go. Just so much MMA going on. What do you think about a Tredavious White's, you know, restructure? You know, how does it affect free agency? And what's the domino effect for the rest of his contract? So, um, good question. According to Track right now, the Bills now go to, I think they were at about $3 million-ish over the cap before that. So, they... They go down to about four million in cap space right now, but they still have to fit in. And this is just according to Spot Track. If you, depending on how these numbers shake out, it looks like the Tyler Medikevich restructure is still not accounted for. So that'll add, uh, you know, a couple hundred thousand. Uh, the uh, Adaba contract has to be accounted for, and Isaiah McKenzie, both probably lower lower hits. So you're probably adding between them, maybe a million. Uh, depending because because you figure they're going to kick out two of the you know other other contracts that are already counting against the cap so you're probably looking at about three million in, in contract or in 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 space right now ryan they're going to have to do some more work if they want to do anything else and probably just to go in with some some flexibility you know brandon bean always likes a couple million for a rainy day in case there's an opportunity that arises work's going to be done but again i go back to what i said about josh on the other point I'm not worried about you know kicking one or two of these down the road because of how strong of a job he's done structuring so many free agent deals that he can pretty much walk walk away from next year, the year after that, and so on and so forth. Yeah, and if there's one to kick down the road, it's Trey White, someone that's going to play out his deal, someone that they they view as a cornerstone player on this roster. Uh, ha having the extra money is going to be solid, probably for the draft class. But like Matt said, you know he, he used the term rainy day. After the draft is when there's also some pretty good free agents that become available because a team isn't expecting player X at whatever position that is to be, be there. And they draft it, and all of a sudden, a veteran that they had under contract has to go. So having a little bit of extra money post-draft when some key free agents could hit the market then, you know that could benefit the Bills because it's, it's after the draft where the Bills are going to truly know what their most pressing needs are remaining who did we not get after did we did we miss out on this position if this player becomes available he fills that need so on and so forth uh so that that's a great question i i don't see the bills being a big spender now I, if anything they're gonna maybe make a few more signings like they did today in that one two million dollar range and that's okay because right now you're filling in roster spots you're not looking for starters you're looking for depth and guys that can come in and compete for a final spot on that 53-man roster. Understood. Awesome. That's pretty much my question. Right. So, yeah, it really filled up uh, <laughs> a lot of the a lot of the doubt I had. Because, look, I'm like one of those Bills fans. I look at all these moves happening, and then you got a bunch of people tweeting, well, we're under, we're, we're so negative, we're so negative in the cap. And then it's, it's kind of hard to really see clear as to how anything's affected. I, I went into this uh, offseason thinking, well, I guess we're going to pretty much lose, like, five players. Uh, doubt anyone's going to want to restructure and you know we're going to have to just you know see where the chips fall as draft time comes around yeah i mean salary cap general manager work is is the reason they get paid the big bucks i mean it's it's a complicated business and there's a lot of you know tools at you know their disposal but every decision that you make and brandon was talking about this last week when we talked to him 
has ripple effects and you know you don't want to get in the habit of doing something like this but in a year like this you're almost left with no choice because the unfortunately for for him or fortunately depending on how you want to look at it he's done such a good job building this thing that there is a wide open window and you want to keep this thing competitive you don't want to lose key pieces you want to be able to add a couple if you can if you have a chance to add a jj watt you want to do your best throw your hat in the ring and and, and have a, a real shot at it now in the end of the day how how real of a shot was it who knows i mean i don't think that, that they were ever coming as close as the arizona cardinals ended at at you know close to whatever it'll end up being like 30 million over two years and all this kind of stuff but they're they're in a position where i think sometimes it's okay to stay at the status quo considering how much development I think there still is to go on this roster. Fantastic. Yeah. Well, thank you guys so much for your time. I really appreciate it. No problem, Steve. You Take care. It. We'll talk to you soon. All right. All right. The Buff Hub. You can find him over on um, Buffalo Rumblings, the podcast network over there. He does a great job. Pretty sure we might have a uh, appearance coming up there pretty soon. So that'll be fun. Um, Final thoughts, Ryan, as we sit here and and, and maybe send this thing off tonight. Uh, we're kind of we're kind of going to enter a quiet period where we can really start to truly dive into draft stuff. And I think the next couple shows are going to be very draft focused. So buckle up, everybody. Yeah. So that's actually where my final thoughts are. I mean, keep an eye on the draft because there's already some players that are being talked about that were being talked about originally as top five, top ten picks. And all of a sudden are falling for different reasons. Uh, Caleb Farley, someone who men was mentioned in the chat earlier tonight, he has a back issue. He opted out last season. He was viewed as he's viewed those cornerback number one in this draft class with opting out. Not not a lot of film or not knowing what he's what kind of shape he's in, knowing that there's back issues. Could he fall to thirty? It's kind of a possibility now. Now, obviously, the Bills will have to look at his medicals and feel real comfortable with that pick when the time comes. But this happens. You know, a, a guy like Miles Jack a few years ago, he was supposed to be a, a top five, top 10 pick, and then he fell down the draft. And uh, even longer, much longer than that, I'm blanking on his name. There's an edge rusher that ended up landing in Tampa Bay, and he was projected very, really high. Mike Parsons uh, out of Penn State, character issues and concerns are coming up now. Uh, so this is the season to kind of, you know, Keep 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 your eyes peeled on this news because some of it's smoke and mirrors. Some of these players are still going to go top five, top ten, but there's also going to be players that could be really intriguing that you would never expect to fall into Buffalo's laps at number thirty. And it, you know, if, if the Bills take someone with character concerns or injury concerns, take it to the bank that Brandon Bean and company have done their due diligence and they feel comfortable enough taking them. And there's maybe. Uh, you know, high, high upside there. So we are starting to shift our focus to the draft, even though the bills are great. Now the draft used to be my favorite time of year because it's like, who are they going to draft in the top 10? Who are they going to get here? 30 is going to be just as exciting. Bills mafia. There's going to be some really good prospects out there for the bills to select. All right. Hit that like button, hit that subscribe button. If you're watching on YouTube, uh, if you are watching live, you know, the drill, you can find us on all the audio platforms, Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, uh, Google, all those fun ones. Thank you so much for your support. Don't know when we'll be back next. We'll have a Wednesday draft focus show next Wednesday, but we'll also be ready to react. If there is another signing, uh, big news that comes out, we'll, we'll try to get after it and bring you guys some content for Ryan Talbot. I am Matt Perino. See you next time.